Shabbat Shalom, everyone. We are so glad to join you this morning on Facebook Live. This is Live From Home. I'm Rabbi David Levine. I'm Sandy Levine. Welcome to our home. It's Yom Shabbat on Saturday, June 20th, 2020. And this morning, Rabbi Yuri and Rebbe Sanina Korshin will welcome us into their home and they will lead us in Hebrew prayers and in worship. And after that, I'll rejoin live from home and we will study together and then we'll return to the Korshin family and have a final worship song. So please hit the share button right now so that you can let your friends on Facebook know that this is a good time to join us. If you haven't already, hit the like and the follow buttons. Join in with your comments. We'd love the chance to hear from you. And at the beginning, we like to greet one another and then we can join in the worship together and then we'll study together as well. And uh, right now, let's welcome the Corsians to Live From Home. Shabbat Shalom. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into our home. Let's start our worship today with Shema. Let's pray together. Shema Israel Adonai is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom for all eternity. Amen. And let's proceed with Veshamru. The children of Israel shall keep the Shabbat, observing it throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Shabbat to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Amen. Shabbat 
Good morning, everyone. What a great time of worship. Thank you, Rabbi Yuri, Rabbi Zanina. Thank you, David Korshin, for leading us in worship. It's so great to be able to worship like this together. And I was encouraged by one of the comments from Flo Woods that she had her grandchildren with her and they were singing together with the Korshins and it was so cute. She said, really wonderful that everyone tries to put their effort in together to worship. It's great for you to sing along. It's great for you to enter in. And I want to use this morning for some experiments about our participation together because there are some things that we want to do that really require focus. And one of the things that we have been doing on Live From Home is we greet each other with Shabbat Shalom at the very beginning. Sometimes it runs into the worship and can then draw people's attention away from the worship. And other times it can even continue when people join in later during the, the episode. And I want to encourage you to try to stay focused on what's actually happening on the live from home screen in front of you. So I'm going to ask you to do something with me that will be perhaps challenging for some of you, but it could be interesting as well. And the first thing that I want to do is I, I want for us to imagine that we are together and we are under the talit and praying a blessing over you. Those of you who are part of Beth Israel and attend the tour service on Saturdays in times past know it's been our tradition for years and years that after we bring the Torah out and we have the Torah processional, before we do our readings, we have a time of blessing for the children and also for the adults. It's really an important time. It's sort of like preventative medicine because we receive something through this blessing that I believe is empowering for us and useful for us at other times and helps us avoid certain kinds of problems. This morning, I want you to imagine that you're standing together, that you're gathered together with your family and you can do that actually if you have family with you right now, bring them together with you, invite them into the room if they're not there now, or draw close together if, if you are already together. But I want you to imagine that you're together with others who you have been greeting and saying Shabbat Shalom, but now your attention is turned to what we're about to do. And I'm gonna continue with the theme from last night, which is to ask God to bless you with faith, to give you strong faith, Faith in him, faith that surpasses your understanding, faith that protects your heart and protects your mind, that causes you to feel and to think in uh, unique ways because you're putting your trust in the Lord. I want your faith to be strong. I want to pray for that. And I want to pray also that you would be useful for other people. And so I want only one kind of comment right now. Stop all the other kinds of comments, all the greeting, Shabbat Shalom greetings. Let's stop that right now. And I want you just to write a comment of blessing someone else with strong faith. Let's just speak that to each other through the comments for, for just a few moments. And you can, you can stay focused on that while I'm praying over you. 
And, and then I want to share with you something else right after that. So Lord, I thank you for our mishpacha that can gather like this. I thank you that you are a faithful God and a true God, the living God. And we ask, Lord, for, our, for ourselves that our faith would be strong during this season, that we would remind ourselves of how great you are and how confident we can be in trusting in you and your goodness. We know this, Lord, that you are with us. We're not alone. We know, Lord, that you are leading us. We're, we're not having to figure things out all by ourselves without your help and guidance. And you are actually going before us. We're focusing on you. And as Rebus and Sandy said last week, the cloud, the cloud, the cloud. As Israel learned in the wilderness to look for the cloud of the Lord, the presence of the Lord and where you were going and to go when you went and to stop when you stopped. We want to do the same thing. Give us, Lord, that, that corporate solidarity. Give us that faith to keep our eyes on you, to trust you, to look to you, and to be able to move in one accord. Thank you, Lord, for faith. Let our faith be strong, even when we're hearing about uncertainties or even setbacks or difficulties and challenges that are in front of us. Let us be people of faith and people who can affirm from our hearts and can command even our souls. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And forget not his benefits. He heals our diseases. He lifts us up. He protects us. He is the one who forgives us of our sins. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness through Messiah Yeshua. In your name we pray. Amen. So I hope you've been doing that. I am not in a position where I can actually check the, the Facebook comments, but I'm hoping that this was your focus. And I want you to just conclude with one last comment. Chazak. Chazak. Be strong. Speak that through the comments to each other and say it out loud to yourself and to those who are in the room with you. Chazak. Be strong. It's so important for you and me to fortify ourselves and to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Now, if you've done that successfully, I'm so happy. And I want to switch now to an, another direction about comments today. We're going to do a little exercising today in, in our um, like-mindedness and our ability to stay on focus together in real time. That's a great challenge. But here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to congratulate Maggie Willits. Navy Lieutenant Maggie Willits is with us uh, on online today. She's watching with her husband, Taylor. And, and Maggie is back from her recent tour, extended tour with the Navy that went 274 days. So now she's back. Maggie, we're so glad that you could be with us and even more glad that you're with your beloved husband. Y'all can be together. It's really great. We want to congratulate you. If we were physically together right now, we would just give you a hug and applaud you. We can't do that right now, and, and we do want to convey our virtual hugs to you and our happiness that you're back at home and you're safe and that you have the opportunity to spend time together with Taylor. So Mishpocha, please greet Maggie and congratulate her. And, and while you're doing that, um, let's 
stay strong in our hearts and stay strong in our focus. She had to persevere. Those of you who have served in the Navy, Navy and in the armed forces and have had extended tours of duty, you know how challenging it can be to be separated from your family, from your spouse uh, for extended times. But we pray God's blessing on every military family, that they would be strong in the Lord, that all of our mishpacha that's in the military would be safe and protected. We love you all, and we are thankful for all of you who have served faithfully and those of you who are serving faithfully right now. So it is a great time to be together. And I want to thank my wife, Sandy, for having the idea of doing the blessing together in this way. I thank you, Lord, that you put that in her heart and that we could participate in this way. So thank you, Rebbitz and Sandy, for this great idea about incorporating the blessings in our time together now. Also, I want to give a big mazel tov to Cynthia and Mitch Ragsdale. Their son Anthony's wedding is later today. So we want to say congratulations to the Ragsdales family. What a wonderful and happy day for you all. And we are glad to be able to congratulate you on this joyful day. Also, let's give a welcome to Eddie Sandoval, who is serving now with Brian Rose on the technical team for Live From Home. And we're glad that Eddie is joining the team and can make such a difference. One more congratulations, if you don't mind. We want to congratulate Claude and Esther Painter. They celebrated their 51st anniversary this week. Congratulations on a long and happy and fruitful marriage. And there may be some others of you who are celebrating your anniversary this week. Please let me know so we can congratulate you as well. One more thing I want to encourage you after you finish today's session with Live From Home, I encourage you to, to look at Cantor Aaron Jacobs' Torah teaser for this week. He wrote the Torah teaser so you can read it easily and you can read it at your own leisure, but it's, it's also about faith and I want to encourage you to strengthen yourself by reading that Torah teaser and then to read the Torah scriptures as well that he is referring to. So before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. So one more instruction as we're getting started. This again is an experiment. We'll see how it goes. Let's let's pause our Shabbat Shalom's and greetings to one another and let's turn our attention to the scriptures. I want to invite you to turn to Numbers chapter 13 so you can read along with us as we read this very important time. So a little later in our time together, we'll be able to greet each other again, but let's pause the Shabbat Shalom's and the greetings and we can all stay focused on the scriptures. I want to give thanks to those of you that that make comments that are speaking to what the worship is focusing on during worship or what the message is focusing on as we're studying together. Your participation in this way, you're staying focused and you're, you're underlining 
what's what's being taught and spoken about really i think is a blessing for everyone and i also want to thank those of you who are posting the scriptures that we're using both the scripture reference and the text itself and those of you who are posting pull quotes do you know what that means that's like a a, a short quotation whenever rabbi yuri or me or sandy or rabbi sanina when, whenever you take something that we said and you put it right on the comment that's a pull quote and i think pull quotes are really useful so i want to encourage you to use pull quotes scripture references even the scripture verses so that what you post enhances the the experience that we're having in real time together and uh if you do that this week today i think it'll be interesting it's a good experiment to see if we can try this well we're studying this week's Torah portion, Shalach Lecha, which can be translated this way, send on your behalf. It's connected to an instruction that the Lord gave to Moses. And we'll read now Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, the Lord said to Moses, Shalach Lecha, send men on your behalf to investigate or reconnoiter or spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. Send men on your behalf. That's the instruction that Moses received from the Lord. And so when he sent men, it was on behalf of Moses, who was doing this on behalf of the instruction that the Lord had given him. And it was connected to God's plan for the children of Israel to move into the promised land. The Lord made it very clear that he had a plan to give the land to the children of Israel. So this investigation, this reconnoitering, this spying was connected to God's plan. It wasn't separate from God's plan. It was a part. It was meant to be an instrumental and necessary part that would help Israel move into the promised land. That's what God had in mind. However, if you read the whole Torah portion this week, or if you're familiar with this, you know the men came back with a mixed report. Only two had a good report, but 10 of those who were sent had a bad report. And that bad report had a negative effect on God's plan for Israel. Instead of trusting the Lord and the word that he was giving Moses, they lost hope and they lost faith. Their faith became weak and they could not imagine in those circumstances what would happen except for defeat and loss, death and sorrow. That cry that came out of their hearts of faithlessness, of despair, was not the cry of faith to God. Rather, it was the cry of defeat. It was the cry of unbelief. It was the cry that was coming from their souls because they lost what God was trying to do and what he was doing. They couldn't keep it in their heart. They didn't keep it in their mind. They were focusing on some facts that they had heard about giants and about walled cities and about the dangers and the risks. And that's all they were focusing on. They forgot the most important thing. 
that every challenge in life, every important challenge in life, every problem that we face is not insurmountable, even though it may appear to be, we're going through those problems with God's help. Every challenge that you and I face can be understood differently and responded to differently when we know that God is leading us and he's with us through the challenge and he'll be with us on the other side as well. When we think we're on our own, it's not the cry of faith that comes out of us. It's, it's something altogether different. What does it mean to truly be a believer? What does it mean to, to truly be a disciple of Messiah? What does it mean to have faith in the God of Israel? It's not just about doctrine. It's not just about agreeing with teachings or even with vision. It has to do with a personal relationship of trust where you and I put our trust in God in real time for the problems that we have, for the challenges that we have. I wanna encourage you to exercise your faith and your trust. I wanna remind you that the greatest problems can be solved by trusting the Lord. You're not on your own. You don't have to do everything in your own power. The life of faith is based on trusting God in real time. And I, I wanna remind you of what the Psalms tell us. Psalm 31, verse 14. Can you write this down in the comment section? It's so useful. And we'll look at verse 14 and verse 15. Psalm 31, verse 14. The psalmist says, as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Do you see how the psalmist is strengthening himself and his faith? He's making an affirmation internally, and he's expressing it externally. He's saying, Lord, I trust you. I say you are my God. Some of you will be benefited simply by beginning to express externally what you feel internally. Begin to say, you are my God. Lord, I trust you. Yes, Lord, I trust you. You don't have to deny the problems that you're facing in order to trust the Lord. You can face the problems. That's what the psalmist did. If you read the whole psalm, you'll see that. He was paying attention to the problems he had, but he wasn't limiting himself to the facts of those problems because he saw something else. And this statement that follows in verse 15 is a key. I want you to take it to heart. The psalmist said, my times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. You see, when we're trusting in the Lord, when we have confidence in the Lord, even when we're facing unprecedented challenge and problems, we can affirm this and we can say, Lord, my times are in your hands. What I'm going through right now, Lord, this is something you are fully aware of. You know more than anyone else about what's ahead. Even the things I haven't anticipated, you know, O oh Lord but I'm not on my own, I'm with you. I'm keeping my eyes on you, I'm trusting you. I know this, Lord, you're leading me, you're taking me through this and you're bringing me to the other side. That's my heart, that's my attitude. That's what the psalmist was saying and that's a key for you and for me, even in our uncertain times. We want to be like the psalmist who express confidence in the Lord. We don't have to deny that there are challenges. Some people are trying to cope. Some, 
sincere believers are trying to cope right now by denying challenges. That's not going to help us. We can face the challenges and the uncertainties, but we can win the spiritual battle by being strong in our faith. Don't just allow other things, other perspectives to get a hold of you. Don't allow yourself to be distracted. Keep focusing on the Lord and what he is doing. And I tell you, if you can do that, it will make a real difference. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 14. And we want to continue with the story of the spies and, and the story of Israel as well. Moses and the Lord were unhappy with the response of not only the 10 spies, but the effect that they had on others. And almost everyone among the children of Israel fell into despair and hopelessness. They lost their faith in God. I say they lost it because they weren't thinking or feeling like people of faith. They weren't acting like people of faith. They were acting like they were on their own and that they could not do what was necessary to even survive going into the promised land. The promise that God had made about the promised land wasn't a promise from the Lord for these people. Instead, it was a, uh, it was a headline of despair and hopelessness for them. They acted like they were on their own and that they didn't have what it took because they didn't. Whenever you're on your own, you don't have what it takes for such unprecedented challenges. But they said, we won't go up. We're not going to do it. We're not going to go forward. Not even thinking clearly about the fact that they were rejecting the promised land that God had for them. And they were rejecting God who was wanting to give them the promised land. It was God who had made the promise. That's why it's called the promised land, because God made the promise. So they were rejecting their future. They were rejecting their life of faith and acting like they were on their own. But when they were rebuked for it, and when they got a hold of their emotions and their thoughts and were able to think a little bit differently, they decided, okay, we're going to go now. But that was more of the same. You see, they were still ignoring the times that the Lord had in mind. They were on their own. They were making decisions, not according to God's timing. They weren't focusing on what God had said. They were still trying to do things on their own. And a rebuke came. This is the rebuke in Numbers chapter 14. And we can take it seriously. It's in verse 41. This is from the Complete Jewish Bible translation by David Stern. You won't succeed. Verse 42, don't go up there because the Lord is not with you. You will not succeed because you want to go up on your own and you are going up on your own. Or you're trying to tell God, this is what you're going to do now. He has to comply with your time frame and your schedule, but you've missed it already and you have not repented of this wrong attitude in this perspective. It's, it was a sorrowful thing that happened and the children of Israel experienced, experienced great loss. But not only that, I want you to think about this. Success could have been theirs. 
they lost the opportunity of their generation, which turned out to be the opportunity for many of them of their lifetime. When we're looking at such things and we see this example from the children of Israel, it's important for us to have a good learning attitude where you and I are saying, what can I take from that? What can I learn for myself? Of course, you, you, you may not feel the connection and you may feel some distance. These are ancient texts. We're living in modern times. So there's some separation. The circumstances of your life may be quite different, are quite different, I believe, than the circumstances we just read about. But there's a common theme that you and I face that is just like what they faced. How do we trust Lord in the midst of challenging times? Do we trust the Lord in the midst of, travel, of troubling times and challenging times? When we're reading about this, the scriptures, which, which Hebrews says are active and alive and they're sharper than a two-edged sword, they reveal what's in our hearts and what's in our mind. They, they cause us to think and to feel, to process things, and we may not even recognize it. I want you to recognize it. As you're reading about the spies, think about your own reaction and, and imagine this, that you're saying to yourself, what could have made the difference for them? And then what could make the difference for me in my situation now? What can I learn from them? As, as you read the truth of our ancient history, it helps us face the truth of our modern history and our current situations. You see, the Torah tells our story, the good, the bad, and the ugly, so that we can learn from our successes and from our failures. It's important as we look back that we realize that this helps us look ahead. And the scriptures really want to equip us to have discernment and to think clearly about ourselves. We can learn. And I, I want you to ask yourself a question. What caused the children of Israel to lose the opportunity of a generation? What caused them, those of that certain age, not to be able to go into the promised land? When you think about that and you realize they lost their faith, their faith was, was not only weak, it just was absent in a sense. They weren't paying attention to the Lord and the Lord's timing and the Lord's instruction. They're looking at other things and not that. Friends, I know that some people have been going through the challenges of COVID-19, the economic challenges, the racial and civil challenges, the political challenges, and the other challenges of our times. And some of you have been in such distress that you've just pushed down and been in denial about some of the things because it's overwhelming for you. And I want to tell you, you don't have to be in denial. You can look at those realities. You can see them for what they are, and you can still put your trust in the Lord. You can see, yes, there are giants in my land. Yes, there are problems ahead for me. Maybe you're even in the midst of problems. Maybe the problems are all about you, but you're you know this, God is with you. 
He's watching over you. If you put your trust in Messiah Yeshua and you know that he died for you and that he rose from the dead to pay a ransom for you so that you would not be in bondage, but you could be free to live a life of faith and faithfulness. If you know that his sacrifice covers your sins, your iniquities and transgressions. And if you realize that he rose from the dead, that, that he had conquered the power of sin and the power of death as well. And these things don't have to rule over you when you put your trust in the Lord. Not just when you once put your trust in the Lord, but as you put your trust in the Lord, you can experience this. As you trust the Lord and his goodness, as you hold on to the promises of God, you will grow in faith. In my prayer, my prayer for all of us, it's, it's according to the same direction of the blessing that we did earlier this morning. My prayer is that we would be strong in our faith and we would be faithful to God and that our eyes and our hearts, our minds would be open to the opportunities that God is giving us in this generation and right now. Some people looking back at the turbulent 60s, that touched uh, our society so deeply regarding matters both of race and uh, um, freedoms of many kinds and, and even military issues, the Vietnam War and so forth. It was a turbulent time. But what not everyone realized is in the midst of all that turbulence, there was a spiritual hunger and there was a great opportunity. That was a season where God was working. He was working and brought many young Jewish people to Messiah. Many of those people are our friends today. Many of them are leading Messianic congregations today. There was in the midst of the turbulence, some people only saw turbulence, in the midst of the of the trouble and the conflict and even the violence, some people only saw that but they didn't see something else that God was stirring up spiritual thirst and spiritual hunger. I want to encourage you to have eyes that can see opportunity that's ahead for us. And don't just see the, the, the trouble that we're in, but see the opportunity that's available to us. If you and I have trust and faith in our God right now, in the midst of the challenges you and I are facing, if, if we're thankful to the Lord, if we are expressing appreciation, if we're like-minded and we're preferring one another and serving one another, if as a congregation we're moving forward together and keeping our eyes on God, even in the midst of all of these challenging situations, you know what? God will be able to use us for good for our families, for our loved ones. He'll be able to use us for good for others as well. You and I will receive some things that God wants to give us so that we can take advantage of opportunities that may be invisible to other people. There are some people who are only seeing their problems right now in the same way that the 10 spies only saw the problems. And I wanna encourage you that your eyes would be open. Let me say right now, Lord, touch their spiritual eyes. Touch our eyes, touch my eyes, touch my spiritual ears that I could see, that I could hear. Touch my spiritual mind that I could 
and that I could think and understand, touch my heart spiritually, that I could feel and I could grasp, Lord, the opportunities that you've placed in front of us and what's ahead for us. Lord, we want to take advantage of those opportunities. But more than that, we want to be useful to you, Lord, because these are opportunities that are connected to what you've wanted to do and what you are doing. Lord, I pray for the opportunities for healing for our land. Lord, I pray for the opportunities for reconciliation in our land. I pray for the opportunities, Lord, for us who trust you and want to live in faithfulness to you, to have peaceful lives where we can live lives of godliness and we can have a great impact of service upon others. That's our prayer, Lord. Help us even right now. Friends, we want to, we don't want to just be finger pointers. We want to learn from Isaiah 58 that just finding fault is not enough. We actually have to do our part to make things better. And how do we do that? We, we try to present ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, make me better, make me stronger, build my faith, help me be strong. Um, putting our trust in the Lord is so important. Last night I was talking about the fact that the spies not only didn't put their trust in the Lord, but they missed the most basic aspect of their their assignment, they were sent on behalf of Moses. They were to look at the land and investigate the land, not for themselves, but for Moses. And Moses had purpose in mind. He had been given this assignment by the Lord. So what the spies were really called to do is look at the land and investigate the land they went into and see what Moses would see as he's trusting the Lord who's promised this land to the children of Israel. Unfortunately, that's not the perspective that they had. They forgot that they were those who had been sent. They forgot who had sent them and what the purpose was of their mission. And they got lost because of this. And they lost the opportunity. They weren't physically lost in the land. They were lost spiritually. And when they came back, they were still lost spiritually. You and I are not spies, but every day you and I are being sent into this world and we have also a mission because we have to know who sent us. The Lord has sent us to represent his perspective and his interests. Yeshua came down from heaven and took on a human body and, and humbled himself and engaged in a, a spiritual process called Tzimtzum, uh, contracting and constraining himself so that he could be in a human body and in this world of time and space that you and I live in, where he could experience all the things that a human could sense, the feelings, the sensations, the pain, the hunger, the joy and the laughter as well. I wanna ask you to turn to John chapter 20 and we'll look at a few verses. John 20 verses 21 through 23. Yeshua said this, Shalom Aleichem, peace be with you. And then this very important line I want you to underline, as the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. The pattern of Yeshua is a pattern that you and I are impacted by. Verse 22, when Yeshua had said this, he breathed on them and said to his disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. And then verse 23, and this has to do with purpose and mission. If you forgive anyone his sins, 
they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. This is so interesting. The experience that the disciples of Yeshua were having, receiving forgiveness because of their trust in Yeshua, this was meant for them to be reconciled to God, but it was also meant so that they could be sent on a priestly mission of reconciliation. The priests of Israel, all priests commissioned by the Lord, are always dealing with the things that separate people from people and people from God. The priests are helping people get reconciled and overcoming the barriers and the conflict and the guilt and the shame and the sin. And so if you can imagine this, the priests are always looking at sinful people with what attitude? that they themselves are sinful and that they have been forgiven and that God wants to extend forgiveness to the ones they're ministering to. That's what Yeshua was talking about. He was sent into this world by the Father to take on a human body, human flesh, and then to submit himself continually to, to God who is not incarnate, to God who is pure spirit, to God who does not get these messages like you and I do, these untrustworthy messages from our sensory experience, to, to God who is perfect in all ways. So God who became a man submitted to God who was perfect in spirit and was without human body and form. Why did he do this? To rescue us and then to ransom us and then to equip us so that you and I can be useful for the great purposes of God, the healing purposes. That's what we're called for. That's what we need to do. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. The forgiveness that you and I have received, we want to extend to others as well. I want to go backwards now to an earlier chapter in John, John chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. Yeshua said this, everyone the Father gave me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will never drive away. What a reassurance that you and I have. Yeshua will never push us away. We may leave on our own accord, or we may allow others to pull us away, but Yeshua is always going to be trying to bring us back to himself. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven, grasp that. This is the Tsimtsum action. And, and Ben Davis, if you don't mind copying that Tsimtsum spelling and definition that you did from before, um, if you can post it even right now, it would be so great. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. It's so powerful when we realize that we're not called to live our lives on according to our own will, but we are called to live the lives that God has paid for and redeemed according to his will. I want to go back one more um, passage to John chapter 4, verse 34. It's really a powerful statement that Yeshua is making here. Yeshua explains, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you grasp that? Throughout these passages, there's a common thread of, of faith and faithfulness, doing the will of the one who sent us, who sent Yeshua. Verse 35, 
Do not say there are still four months until the harvest. I tell you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for the ripe for the harvest. The, the human sense is in the midst of challenge and difficulty is to say later, 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 or maybe never. Sometimes later is a way of saying never. And Yeshua was speaking to his disciples. Don't think like that. Think another way. Lift up your eyes. Look the, at what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the harvest and I see the harvest is ripe. You see it too. You understand this. I'm at work to redeem. That's what Yeshua was saying. You be at work to redeem. And Yeshua was saying, what feeds me is to do the will of him who sent me. And this requires faith. This requires hope. It requires imagination and creative power to think about something that can be done now because there are opportunities now. I want you to get this into your heart and in your mind. There are opportunities now. It's not just going back to the way things were. It's not just um, going back the way we came. It's not just doing what everybody else is doing. It's doing some unthinkable things. They're unthinkable until the faith of God grows strong in you and is clear. We're representing the Lord's interests and his attitude, and we can only live our lives successfully and to the fullest when we live by faith and faithfulness. So every day I want to spend time with the Lord. Every day I want to seek the Lord in order to make sure I have his attitude and his perspective for the day. I don't want my prayers to only be about my problems or my concerns. I want them to be about his concerns and his attitude, his perspective. Lord, what do you see? Because I want to see what you're seeing so I can do what you're doing. Every day I want to make the most of that day that the Lord has made. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. I want you to have that same resolve and to encourage others to have the resolve as well. Your faith, your faithfulness, not only shapes what you experience, but the impact you have on others. Just as the spies who did not have faith impacted their generation, your faith can impact your generation. I really hope that you have been taking seriously the instruction and direction that I've been giving you about attitudes and words of graciousness that are attractive to others. And I want you to ask yourself a serious question. In what ways did you put that instruction into practice this past week? How were you useful to other people by considering how to carefully express yourself to them with words that are gracious. And I would love to hear your experience, your testimonies about such things. Please write me, please text me, email me, call me. You have all the different ways and means of connecting with me for that. And I want you to stay on focus because this is a word from the Lord. I'm giving you this because the Lord gave us this. I want you to have this attitude because it's what God gave us to give to you. In the same way that the the spies from Israel needed to have Moses' attitude, you need to have this attitude that I'm sharing with you. Because like Moses, like us, like those that are called by God to be in leadership, we're trying our best to do what is pleasing to the Lord. 
That's what's in our heart. Every rabbi I'm talking, every messianic rabbi, every pastor I'm connected to has the same heart. They want to do what's pleasing to the Lord. They want to navigate this experience, trusting in God and being confident in him. They're not just trying to do things on their own or their own understanding, and neither are we. We're keeping our eyes on the Lord. That's why the cloud, the cloud, the cloud, as Reverend Sandy said last week, it's such an important message. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Where is he? What's he doing? How is he moving? I want you to ask another question of yourself. How did you protect other people from offensive material this week? Not necessarily material that they would just disagree with, but material that could really be offensive. Did you? And if you did, I want to congratulate you and thank you. Please let me know how you did that so I can express my appreciation and support to you. I'm taking seriously the instruction that the Lord's giving to me that I can pass on to you because I know this, it will be useful to you. Just like at the very beginning, I received something from the Lord that I gave you. At the beginning, just when we were becoming aware of the COVID-19 pandemic. And it was about fear and how there are two different kinds of fear. Fear that can be useful and fear that's counterproductive and useless. And just like the fear of the Lord is useful, we want to embrace fear that helps us plan and prepare and move forward with confidence in God to think about what we need to do carefully. And we want to, we want to push aside the fears that paralyze us, the fears that cause us to give up hope and to enter into despair. We want to remember that God is with us and that even when we're facing fearful circumstances, the Lord will say, do not fear. He never says, do not fear, unless the circumstance is fearful. But he tells us, don't fear those circumstances. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of your wisdom. I want to turn now to one more passage, Romans chapter 4, verse 17. And it's about Abraham and his pattern of life and why Abraham is an example for us about how to live in the times that we find ourselves. Abraham, verse 17, is our father in God's sight because he trusted God as the one who gives life to the dead and calls non-existent things into existence, who calls things that are not as though they were. He's our father in God's sight because he trusted in God this way. Verse 18, for Abraham was past hope and yet in hope, he trusted that he would indeed become a father to many nations in keeping with what he had been told by God, so many will your seed be. You see from a realistic point of view. Abraham looked at the facts of how old he was and Sarah was. He looked at the fact that she was postmenopausal. They were long past the age of um, fertility and procreation together. He was past hope, but in hope he trusted the Lord. Why did he trust the Lord? Because the Lord had spoken. The Lord had made the promise. He wasn't cheerleading himself. Abraham wasn't saying, I can do it, I can do it. No, he was saying, Lord, you can do it. Verse 19, Abraham's trust did not waver when he considered his own body. How practical that is. He didn't deny his old age 
or his circumstance. He allowed his trust to be strong so that the facts and the realities did not reduce his trust. His trust did not waver when he considered his, his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered that Sarah's womb was dead too. Now, there are some believers who think denial is how you express faith. And, and they think if they can say there is no pandemic or there is no threat or there is no racism or there is no economic problem because they're not experiencing it or they don't want to be experiencing it. They think that that denial is the way to go through it. Some people say, well, I'm just going to trust the Lord and I, I'm not going to take any health precautions at all, any protocols at all. I refuse to follow. That's not following the Lord. That's just doing your own thing and denying denying the realities around you. It's wise to know what protocols you should follow based on your circumstance and also based on your love and your commitment. I'll be clear about this one. If, if you want to make sure that you're not spreading the virus, even if you may not be one who is seriously harmed by the virus, if you want to make sure you're not a carrier, then take precautions for the sake of others, both those you love and those who you don't even know, even strangers. Have that as part of your attitude. I want to get back to Abraham because of his attitude. With it, he didn't have that denial. He had a trust in God. Verse 20, he did not, by lack of trust, decide against God's promises. Oh, this is so powerful. Lack of trust can cause us to reason against God's promises. On the contrary, by his faithful trust in God. Oh, I love this statement. Abraham was given power as he gave glory to God. One of the ways that you fortify your own strength, that you build yourself up, is you tell yourself that God is glorious, that he's honorable. You tell yourself, you bless the Lord from the depths of your soul. You draw on your memories, you open up your journals, you look at your list of prayer requests from times past that God has answered. You contemplate the things you have now that you used to pray about and wish for and hope for. And you fortify yourself. Abraham was given power as he gave glory to God. You won't get power without giving glory to God. You won't give power, you won't get all the power you need first. Give glory to God first, and then you'll find the power will come to you. Verse 21, because Abraham was fully convinced, that's what I want to be, fully convinced that what God has promised, he could also accomplish. Oh, that's in my heart. What he's promised about opportunities for healing in our land in this generation, that I, I've received that promise. It's burning bright in me. Others have as well. That promise that he's given to some of us and many of us, I am holding on. God is able to do it. The only question is, will we agree with him? It was credited to Abraham's account as righteousness because he was fully convinced that what God has promised, he also could accomplish. 
Verse 23, but the words, it was credited to his account, were not written for Abraham only. They were written also for you and for me, who will certainly have our account credited too, because we have trusted in him who raised Yeshua, our Lord, from the dead. Yeshua, who was delivered over to death, was raised up for us, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, little children, mishpacha, the righteousness that Abraham demonstrated was connecting to his trust in the Lord. It wasn't his own righteousness. It was counted as righteousness because he trusted the Lord. I wanna encourage you to stay strong, to stay focused and on track, to really trust the Lord in these times. And I want you to remember something, that as you're holding on to the, the word that God has given us and the faith that God has given us, he can use you in great and powerful ways. In recent weeks, I've said, when men of violence lead, then violence increases. I wanna say something a little different right now. When men and women of faith who see the opportunities that God is making, even in the midst of trouble, when they lead, the opportunities will be fulfilled. When men and women of faith trust the Lord that he can accomplish what he set out to do and what he's promised, then they will see those promises fulfilled. I want to ask you to strengthen your faith so you can be a man or a woman of great faith. Without faith, you can't please God. But with faith, you know what? With faith, everything is different. God will cause all things to work together for good for everyone who is expressing their love in the Lord and staying uh, firm and holding on to his purposes. We are watching carefully, our eyes are on the Lord. We are making all of our plans based on what we see the Lord doing. We're trying to be very careful in these immediate times because um, there have been some challenges about the, the spreading of COVID-19 in, in our region. If you've been following the news, you know that a number of restaurants and bars in Jacksonville Beach became centers, hotspots of spreading uh, COVID-19, and you may know that that as well spread into um, other places, including the San Pablo area across the intracoastal waterway. So we're trying to be concerned uh, with those facts and what they what they mean. Also, we're aware that our mishpocha has loved ones who have contracted COVID-19, and we've been praying for their well-being, for their healing, for those that have to be in quarantine, that they would be able to uh, stay in self-quarantine and be healed. So continue with that attitude of prayer, not with denial. Those people are having to go into self-quarantine. It's a, it's a great challenge for them, and they need courage to do that, but they also have family that they may need to take care of. So be praying for us and be thanking the Lord as you see victories as well. One more thing I want to address, it has to do with something, an insight that the Lord gave me about the spiritual battle that's in front of us. And I want you to take the time to write down two words, alienation, and the second word, escalation. There are spiritual forces that are at work that are trying to alienate people. And by alienation, what I mean is to make people feel estranged and to feel isolated and to cause them to pull away from one another. 
and to feel like they don't have a place and they don't belong. That alienation can be at work in, in many different ways and it can have other symptoms as well. But I'm talking about a spiritual force of alienation that is wanting to get hold of, of, of husbands and wives, of parents and children, of brothers and sisters, of mishpocha, of not just those of us who know each other and are close to each other, but of our cities and of our country and perhaps the whole world. We need to do battle against alienation to recognize when there's a spiritual force. There is a psychological factor of alienation that can be also connected to spiritual forces of alienation because the way we think and the way we feel are connected to our spiritual lives as well. But I'm talking specifically about alienation as a spiritual force. I want you to have eyes that recognize it. When, when a voice comes to you or a thought comes to you uh, that makes you feel estranged or suggests you are estranged from your husband, from your wife, from your parents, from your children, from your brothers, from your sisters, from your friends, from, from, from the congregation, from me, from your leaders, when that voice comes, you take a stand against the spiritual forces of alienation. That's what I'm asking you to do. And also, when you hear, when you hear alienation at work in those around you, pray for them. Don't just counsel them. Pray for them. Do battle privately on their behalf, praying against the spirit of alienation. And don't allow yourself to become a victim of that spiritual force. The spiritual force of escalation tries to raise things up and, and cause them to be so intense and to raise the volume. This can happen, uh, of, of course, in relationships, but I'm talking about a spiritual force that can manifest itself in our lives in these days. And you could say something normal and it could be misunderstood because of the spiritual forces of escalation. You could say something very reasonable or, or true and loving, but a spirit of alienation and a spirit of escalation can try to come in and separate you by exaggeration and escalation. If you see this happening, pray against it. Take note of this because I want you to be protected from every spiritual force that wants to do harm to you, every spiritual force that wants to to undermine you in this season. You can be strong and you can have the victory. I wanna see our marriages strong. I've been counseling couples. I've been counseling rabbis and, and others. We need to be strong against the spirits of alienation and escalation so that we can deal with everything that's happening all around us. You be strong too. Take notice of this and pray. Don't just think, but pray. Be strong and be preemptive and proactive in your prayers. Don't just wait and react, but take a stand even right now. I think it's important. I think it'll make a real difference for you and for all of us. I want to begin to wrap things up this morning from my side, thanking all of you who are continuing to be faithful with your commitments to send your ties and your offerings to Beth Israel and supporting the congregation and all the great ministry we're doing now and in these days and all that's ahead. Those of you who are continuing to 
use Giving Fire and, and PayPal, our online giving platforms. We're really grateful for you, those of you who have recurring giving and steady giving using those platforms. It makes such a difference for us to have that steady and reliable and dependable um, giving from you. For those of you that would like to participate, I want to invite you to go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving, and you'll get easy to follow instructions about how to set up a Giving Fire account or a PayPal account if you don't have one already. They're very easy to use and to customize. They're very safe and secure. We've had no problems whatsoever with security breaches with them. I want to encourage you also to stay connected with us by participating in the times of prayer that we have for the Mishpocha, because those are powerful times of prayer for all of us. I want to close this morning with Aaron's blessing as we normally do at Beth Israel, and then we will return to the Korshans home for a final worship song. And so can you gather together if, if you have others with you at your home? And, and let's join together. I'm going to stop right now because my wife is coming in and this is great. Hi, honey. So Hi. Glad. <laughs> Sometimes I surprise her. Um, she's in the other room and she doesn't know when I'm going to switch one thing to another. But this is live. We, we are go. live. <laughs> Here we go. And those of you who... Um, have attended Beth Israel and been part of the Mishpacha, you know that it's our custom to stand together on the Bema uh, for Aaron's blessing as, as we pray over you that God would pour out this blessing on you. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha Ye'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasam lecha Shalom. May the Lord bless you May the Lord keep watch over you and guard and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you so that you can be an instrument of grace on behalf of the Lord to other people. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his shalom so that you can spread the shalom. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. So I want to say Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. And I want to invite you to, to continue watching as we return to the Korshan family for a final worship song. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Thank you, Rabbi David. Shabbat Shalom, congregation. And let's close with joyful song for the Lord.
Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. 